This is Life Admin Life Hacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips, and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money, and improve your household harmony. I'm Dinah Rowe Roberts, an operations manager who loves traveling over Christmas to make the most of those extra public holidays and change things up. This year, we're off to Tassie. I'm Mia Northrop, a researcher and writer who, for the first time ever, will be having a cozy, low-key Christmas with just my nuclear family because the rest of my family is away. In this episode, we're diving into smart strategies for creating a memorable and meaningful holiday season without breaking the bank. Hello and welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. This episode, we're getting festive and frugal. This time of year can be magical and also financially challenging, especially given the rising cost of living. If your money situation is tighter than it's been in the past, then we trust you'll leave us with some new ideas about how to approach Christmas this year and be optimistic that you're going to be able to enjoy a special meal on Christmas Day and give presents to your loved ones. For those of you who aren't feeling the pinch, you'll be equipped with suggestions for family and friends who are. So in this episode, we'll talk about cost-saving strategies for buying gifts, planning a special meal, and for holiday travel. This episode is brought to you by our Get Ready for Christmas checklists. Head to lifeadminlifehacks.com and download our Get Ready for Christmas checklist to help pace you through the activities and tasks you'd like to do to prepare for the silly season. And if you're hosting Christmas lunch or dinner on the big day, lean on this list to help minimize your stress and maximize your joy. I mean, we have done a few different episodes over the years related to Christmas. We've got episode 21, preparing for Christmas, and actually also you could dive into episode 16, which is about simplifying gift giving. We probably all want to avoid episode 37, uh, planning a Corona Christmas to avoid those flashbacks. But this year, as Mia said, with interest rates and cost of living as they are, we wanted to focus on how Christmas doesn't have to be an expensive blowout. Yeah. And I guess the number one thing is to go in with a budget for the holidays. You want to set yourself some realistic spending limits. So it's important if you're in a partnership to discuss a budget, looking at your financial situation and deciding how much are we going to spend on gifts how much are we going to spend on decorations and food and, you know, any of the special events that are leading up to Christmas. So, Mayor, how do you set aside, like, what's the format you use to set your Christmas budget? Yeah, so we have a big Excel spreadsheet and we list all the people that we're buying gifts for. So there's a section for the kids and it has a section for the gifts that we're going to give them, the gifts they're going to give each other. And we have some, you know, guesses at what Santa might be bringing. And so we can see, okay, for the gifts that we're buying and they're giving each other, we sort of set a number. And then we list all the family members and things like teachers helpers that we're also going to give gifts for and we sort of say oh let's again we put aside a number to each each of those people we track it that way so we track we sort of set a limit of how much we're going to spend and then we also track who's buying what and the status of the purchase like has it been bought has it where where are we at with that getting that gift in the door so your focus is budgeting for gifts. And I guess mine is too. And it's that dual purpose. It's really focusing on planning out what the gifts are going to be. And I used to always do that, but in more recent years have added kind of the budget. And that really just helped like get my head around how much we were actually spending. Yeah. And then helped me, I guess, set some more, some probably more, you know, better boundaries around what's a reasonable amount to spend for people. Cause I think it is easy to get carried away. So having a gift tracking spreadsheet that also sets a budget for gifts is a huge win for most people. Yeah. In terms of like decorations, flowers, 
I, we don't have a budget for those things. We don't, I don't know, I think I've bought, <laughs> we've made so many over the years. The kids made things at school. I've kind of collect things ad hoc. I often buy decorations in the sales after Christmas because suddenly you walk into stores and they're all half price. And I'm like, oh, that was cute. I'll pop that in a way for next year. And I don't tend to go too nuts with decorations in the house. So that's, yeah, that's pretty minimal. The, the food aspect is often we do host lunch. Well, actually, most family members want to bring something. They're like, what can we bring? So we spread it around that way. We might ask people to contribute to the alcohol or do a dessert or bring a side or whatever it might be. And so we spread the cost of the meal around that way, but we don't actually pull together a budget of how much we're going to spend. We're not buying $300 hams. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't, we haven't done that either. And I think if you share the load between all the people who are coming to the event, then in general, it's pretty easy to keep that under control but um, yeah definitely gifts is the area that's been the biggest challenge for us yeah one of the interesting things is looking at how people pay for Christmas like a lot of people just funding this from their savings or they might use their credit card or they might lean on buy now pay later schemes probably you know we're not massive fans of buy now pay later because they can be risky and get you into debt so we our suggestion would be to look for alternative more affordable items to buy but one thing I was curious about was the Christmas clubs have you heard of these Christmas club accounts that you can set up yeah I mean I think that it was like quite a a thing a long time ago around when people had savings accounts and they went into the bank and you could have a Christmas club account that gave you bonus interest if you didn't withdraw the money until December so I think that that's kind of how they used to work but I think they've become a bit more modern these days Yeah, so the idea of a Christmas club account is that you have a bank account set up where you are making regular deposits throughout the year and you can't actually touch the funds until November. Most of them, there's either a penalty if you withdraw the funds earlier. So you're kind of locking away the money and building on it slowly. And then the 1st of November, you're able to get the funds and you've got this kitty that you can spend. So there's quite a few banks that offer these specific types of accounts You could set up your own savings account and just set up a weekly or fortnightly or monthly automatic transfer so you don't have to, you know, deal with any early withdrawal fees or other transaction fees. And sometimes these accounts don't have the best interest rates. Sometimes the interest is calculated daily, but they only pay the interest quarterly or even annually. So you're not getting that benefit of the compounding. But if you can find something that has a competitive interest rate and it's calculated daily and paid monthly and doesn't have all those account keeping and transaction fees, then it could be good because the obstacle of not being able to withdraw it is what might (laughs) keep you on the straight and narrow. So if you think I would be tempted to dip into an account if if it was just a regular savings account, obviously with these you can't. So if, if you find, you know, this year or you found in the past that the budget is a recurring issue for you, then you might like to consider this for the next year. I also noticed that Maya was a department store, Maya, they have a Christmas club and what they do for every hundred dollars you put in there, they'll give you a $10 Maya gift card. But the thing is that, you know, all the savings and bonuses you get are only supplied as gift cards. So you would want to be doing all of your Christmas shopping at Maya, but it's pretty generous. It's like a 10%, you know, interest rate really, but obviously it restricts your spending options research what's out there for you in in terms of your local department stores or banks if you think these kinds of schemes would be useful. 
Another thing you can do is think about saving up other reward scheme sort of dollars or gift vouchers. So if you shop at Woolworths, you could think about saving up your, you know, Woolworths reward dollars through the year to use in the December period when you know perhaps you need to have some more money to spend elsewhere on gifts or you might be spending more on your groceries for that for that week. Or think about other, you know, storing up other gift cards that you might be able to get during the year from credit card schemes or other schemes and then using them in December when you know you're going to be spending more. Yeah, nice one. Do you have like rules around, you know, I guess for most people the gifts is the main expense at Christmas. Do you have rules about how much for each child or how, like how many gifts or the dollar amount? How do you decide what is enough? Yeah, so I don't have hard and fast rules. I do think it does depend on partly the budget that we have for that year. So I guess how we're tracking financially. And I guess to a certain extent, making it feel fairish. Like I definitely don't have like that I'm exactly spending the same amount on both of my children. But I do, I guess, really try and be focusing on buying things that I know that they need, but maybe have sort of a bit of a luxury, the slightly better set of headphones than perhaps I would have otherwise bought them or things like that. So I'm probably more focused on making sure that the gifts are truly needed rather Mm -hmm. than just buying for the sake of buying. What about you, Mia? Yeah. No, we don't really have, we have like, we want a couple of things in a stocking. We want a couple of things in a sack. You want it to look like there's stuff in there. So I don't like the the, the terms, what is it, stocking stuffers? Yeah. It's just like crap to put in there. Yeah. I try to avoid just plastic fantastic to stuff out the stocking. If we have, if we get to that sort of level of desperation is the wrong word, but if we need some inspiration, like we put in food, we put in because kids are like, if there's a little chocolate bar or there or some kind of contraband food that we don't eat often or they have a favourite thing, that is what we put in there. But, you know, there's different rules out there. There's like the three gift rule. The three gift rule cites the wise men's offering to Jesus. So that's gold, frankincense and myrrh. And it's the idea that if it was good enough for the saviour of the world, then it should be good enough for your children. So they get three gifts. And there's the rule of four. So there's the idea that you give children something they want, something they need, something to wear and something to read. I like the fact that that rhymes. And then uh, there's other variations of there, like the rule of 10, where you take that rule of four, but then you also have something to wear on your feet, something to make, something to do, something to play as a family, something to give to others and something to do for others. It's interesting, the idea of you having categories, which I've talked about before with gift giving episodes, like give yourself some boundaries or some rules or some categories that you can work towards. Yeah. And so I do think coming back to the money side of things, uh, interestingly, we did a bit of research in terms of what other people spend just to Mm. kind of you know, I guess look at what might be reasonable. So I think CanStar Blue did a survey and they said that people with children 13 to 18 tend to spend $336 per child for the 13 to 18 age group and about $250 per child for younger kids. But in the US, I think we used, there was another study that said people budget around 220 I mean, if you calculate that US dollars, that's very oh, similar. 
So I think that's kind of interesting. But I don't, definitely don't think you need to spend that much, yeah. particularly when the you know kids are younger. Like really, yeah. well, it does say that thirty percent, around thirty percent, just have a maximum of hundred bucks. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, let's keep it sensible. So it's interesting to understand. I don't know for some of you listening, you might be going, Jesus, that's ridiculous. That is way too much. And some people might be thinking, Hmm, eyebrow raise. Uh, we're going way over that. We need to scale back a bit. But, you know, you have to do what makes sense for your family and your kids and what they need and want. I, I like the idea of sort of resetting some expectations. There's, there's always something pretty practical. We do often have things that are related to clothes, especially if we're, if it's, you know, summer here, it's usually the start of summer holidays. And so if someone needs a new pair of thongs or new bathers or whatever it be, that's part of the Christmas thing. Sometimes it's things they're going to get anyway. Yeah, I think that I really think almost from that beginning of November, kind of anything they need, if it can wait <laughs> six to eight weeks, then it's it's going to be wrapped up and put under the tree to create you know create that feeling of festiveness, but it doesn't need to actually be things that we wouldn't have otherwise bought anyway. And what do you do about decorations? Are you do you make a lot of your own decorations? Are you reusing decorations year on year? Yeah, definitely reusing decorations year on year. I have had, got a sort of tradition of buying a Christmas decoration whenever I travel somewhere. So we have lots of decorations for the tree. And I also have a friend who lives overseas and every year we exchange a Christmas decoration. That's our kind of Christmas gift tradition so that means we're just slowly accumulating so I've got more than enough for the tree to be honest and I guess it depends on what we're doing how much effort I'll go to around the house actually I find that you can use foliage from the garden and with a little bit of red ribbon or a few red baubles added to you know we're lucky to have a holly bush in our backyard although the berries come out in winter so it's just the green greenery that makes a beautiful table decoration also makes a great wreath for the front door with a few yeah. red ribbons tied to it. Over and raid yeah. some I'm definitely a believer that kind of, you know, some subtle foliage with some red ribbon is, I'm definitely not the person. I know some people who like have the fully coordinated deck, you know, they go for a theme each year. That is not me. It is a nice opportunity to just tap into the season and find what's around. Getting like I, we've made wreaths in the past, tripped a willow tree or got eucalyptus. And luckily at this time of year, the bottle brush in Australia comes out, which is bright red. So we'll shove some bottle brush in there. We'll find some gum nuts. We might paint them gold or not. And they are basically our baubles. And it's fun. It's sort of acknowledging the season. It's festive. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that kind of, you know, and I do a lot of crafting, but in terms of Christmas decorations, I'm quite happy to make handmade ornaments and wreaths and hence centerpieces. It's a bit of creativity and fun. So this is a real time of year where you need to avoid that temptation to be buying new homewares and decorations and tchotchkes, or at least just go to the op shop. You know, there's obviously cheaper options in there if you just have that itch. I do, I, have, I must admit, when I go into the homeware stores and see whole Christmas dinner sets and things, I just think, why and where do you keep it? So, but I yeah. mean, I guess everyone you do you, but it is kind of, you know, fascinating to me to have a dinner set to use on one day of the year. Yeah. You really have to love Christmas to go there and yeah. have some good storage. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, a lot of shopping is going to be happening online. There are discounts to be had. We are on the verge of some of the big global sales Black Friday sales, 24th of November, the Cyber Monday sale, the 27th of November. These are opportunities to pounce, 
the idea is to get your gift lifts done now, everybody, so that when these dates come up, you can just buy your preferred items at a discount and not be just buying random bargains. Yeah, I think that is the tip trick really is to making sure that you have really thought it through because I think if you haven't thought it through, you either miss the opportunity and because the things you actually decide you're going to buy later uh, have been on sale and or you buy the wrong things because you're just doing it randomly. So making sure you've got that list and your budget sorted so that you don't accidentally overspend before you even hit December. Yeah. So keep an eye out for the sales that are happening now and and prepare, have that list ready to go so you can spot the bargains. The other thing that's super popular are those cashback apps. We know there's like lots of coupon codes at, at, you know, websites out there. I think everyone's familiar with them. But the cashback apps, the cashback sites often have either an app or a browser extension that help you save money when you're shopping online. And they generally pretty much all work in a similar way in that each time you make a purchase with retailers linked to the site, the platform receives a commission on the sale. And then part of this commission is returned to you, the shopper, as a cashback payment. So usually you'll sign up for the cashback account. It's free you get the money back usually by PayPal or you might have to give your bank account details and they transfer it into your bank account. And then once you've made the purchase via the cashback site or the app, you know, you start getting actual cash back. You have to shop with the app. If you shop directly with the retailer, you won't get the cash back. But, you know, if you've got the browser extension, then it will notify you, hello, we, you know, we give cash back for this retailer, come and shop through us and it triggers you to go there. Is this something that you've explored, Diane? No, and I guess I'm just at that season of life where I'm actually really just about saving time rather than saving money and much more focused on making sure I buy the right thing. But I guess it's something I should explore if it's like minimal effort is probably something I could do in my next hour of power, explore, add the browser extension, get the money back. So adding to my to-do list now. (laughs) I've played around with the Honey app. That's a popular one here in Australia. There's also Cash Rewards, Shop Back and Kick Back. It's just interesting to see which retailers each of them partners with. So depending on where you shop, you might have one or more of these going so you can cover a range of the retailers you tend to use. In New Zealand, there's Kiwi Wallet and Shop Rewards. In the US, a lot of their versions involve scanning your receipts, which I would be like, oh, that's just one step too far. (laughs) They have ones called Fetch. There's Retail Me Not, which traditionally was around coupons, but has now got into this cashback space. There's Upside and there's Dosh. And then in the UK, there's Top Cashback and Quidco and Kidstart. So if you're curious about these, you might want to go and play around and see if they have the retailers that you like to shop at because you can get some decent cashback on each purchase. Okay, so should we also just chat about like comparison shopping? Obviously, we've talked a lot over the seasons around comparison shopping, but I do think particularly if you're making a bigger purchase for you know a gift, putting some discipline around that comparison shopping exercise can be important yeah. to make sure you really save on the big ticket items. Yeah. Oh, look, I, at Christmas time, I kind of, I just comparison shop everything. <laughs> like, you know, usually we're talking about comparison shopping electricity and your car insurance. But if I'm going to be forking out for, I don't know, some crazy cosmetic that my daughter must have for her skin right now, then I will be shopping around to find the best price on that. And also looking at the shipping strategies You know, if I can, I'll be trying to do online shopping earlier in the piece so that I can just get the standard delivery and not have to pay for express post. But yeah, I am, I am just 
Googling, you know, the item and I'm looking at, I'll look at three sites that come back and I will go and just find the best site in terms of price and shipping. And yeah, for pretty much anything over like, I don't know, 50 bucks, like comparison shopping at all. That's just kind of how I shop now, basically. (laughs) And I can remember when the kids were younger and I was buying more on the toys kind of sites I would really focus on doing that sort of comparison shopping exercise, but across like the five or six toys I was going to buy perhaps, and then going, okay, actually on balance, it's better to buy them all from Target and do click and collect rather than, you know, maybe I can save $5 if I buy that one from Kmart and, you know, whatever, but actually I'd do a little bit of a spreadsheet and compare the prices. And then, as you say, try and shop early so that then particularly for those kinds of gifts, sometimes you have that indecision of I might get a better price or it might go on sale or whatever, and then you don't buy it, and then you can't find it. And that yes. is the worst, the absolute worst. So I do think sometimes it's like do the exercise at that point in time and then execute so that you've got it there. And, you know, in some of those stores you can still do lay-by. So if you want to buy it in November, you can't. You don't have to pay for the whole lot straight away. You can lock in that price, pay a deposit, and then go and pick the gift up closer to Christmas, which also saves the risk of the children discovering it in the house somewhere. I have lots of hiding places in this house. It's great. <laughs> um, no idea. Let's talk about, you know, gifting as well, you know, with your wider family or maybe you are giving with friends, maybe you're doing things at work. You know, this is where the Kris Kringle, the secret Santa comes to the fore. If you're, especially in your family, if you have in the past all bought presents for each other and this year you're like, we, this is, that can't happen. You know, now is the time to have a, have the chat and say, look, let's do a Kris Kringle this year. For those of you who, you know, have family members suggesting they have a Kris Kringle and you're like, oh, well, that's a drag. I want to get lots of presents. Just keep in mind that it might be financially tough for others out there and not every family is comfortable in having these open discussions about what's going on with money, but just be sensitive to that idea. We've always done Kris Kringle with our extended family because we've got a lot of cousins. There's a lot of cousins now. Yeah. And I think one of the other things is I've seen is like, let's not buy gifts for the adults. Let's just focus on the kids and make it a special time for them. And I do think it's a really good time to like set a specified budget to of how much you're each going to spend on your kids and have that conversation or even have that conversation with maybe with a friend who for years you've been buying each other's kids' presents or each other presents and saying, you know what, maybe this year we could scale it back or even drop the gifts or, you know, and just get together. And often you might find they're relieved because this tradition's built up over time that you buy gifts for each other and then they feel the pressure and the reciprocation. So I think don't be afraid to, you know, gently bring up that conversation that maybe this year we're going to scale back or drop the gifts. And you can also set a theme. You can also say, look, every this year, why don't we all give it to the books or food or something for the outdoors or games or whatever it might be. Again, so it feels sort of fair and equivalent and as you said, of sex expectations for everybody. We also talk about wish lists a lot. We both have wish lists on our phones that we add to regularly for ourselves <laughs> and also for our family members so that you are giving people stuff that they genuinely want and need. 
Yeah, I think that's a huge one, particularly when you're talking about extended families and if, you know, really trying to reduce the environmental impact of Christmas as well as like the cost impact of Christmas by really focusing on making sure that the gifts you're giving and hopefully getting back are things that, you know, aren't going to end up in, in landfill. So having a system for those gift wish lists that you can readily share and remember who you've told to get what. I think that's the worst yeah. is if you accidentally give the same gift suggestion to two people and someone ends up with two of the same things. We have that challenge with grandparents. Yeah. You have to make it unique, otherwise there's duplication. Yeah. (laughs) Just discuss among yourselves. God, (laughs) I'd love to do. Done the thinking already. Other thing you can do, and I've done a bit of this over the years, is you know think about actually making gifts. You can yes. um, people love baked goods in particular. It doesn't have to be all about cooking. It could be experiences, maybe inviting even someone over for dinner, like a little voucher. In the past, my kids have given me vouchers to help around the house, which is yeah, kind of awesome. sweet. Or you know, from you know little kid massages, which last for about two minutes. But those <laughs> sorts of things can be way more meaningful and obviously affordable thank yous and you can jump on canva which you can use for yes. free and you can make some super fancy little homemade gift vouchers these days i have been getting them for mother's day <laughs> the last couple of years and i you know when the dog needs walking or the dishwasher needs emptying and no one's lifting a finger i'm like going for the voucher <laughs> and the eyes the gift just keeps on giving but yeah i think some of those experience gifts like saying let's go to the movies or let's do a cooking class or whatever sometimes those gifts can be a lot more they can be meaningful but also more affordable than things that you're going to put under a a tangible thing putting under the tree and another thing you can do if you feel like at this time of year you've got more time than you've got money is think about personalized gifts and I think that's been something I've done a lot of now that my digital photo collection is organized over the years I've made calendars for the grandparents as a bunch of sites and that is reasonably affordable but something that they absolutely love or even just bought a really reasonably cheap photo frame and put a special photo in it can also be a very meaningful gift. Yeah. If you're, uh, you know, my extended family, there are some artists in there and they make beautiful cards. They'll can't, they'll give you a painting and you're like, oh, my God, you're getting an actual painting. So if you're arty, if you can, if you're good at stuff like that, then do it. People really appreciate it and clearly comes from the heart. There's beautiful sentiment behind those kinds of gifts. So while we're talking about gifts, Mia, yes. how do you feel about regifting? Yeah, we're big fans. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously there's etiquette. There are do's and don'ts of regifting. You want to make sure it's still appropriate for the person and you clearly want to make sure that you're not giving back something that they gave you or that anyone who gave you the gift will be witnessing this exchange. Yep. It can backfire and be incredibly embarrassing. But, you know, if you're given a gift that isn't useful for you, if you really don't want it, you know, we talk about the idea that once someone has given you a gift, it has performed its function and Things need to be used in the world. It shouldn't go to landfill. It shouldn't sit there in a shelf just unused for its life. Give it to someone who's actually going to appreciate it and and benefit from it. So, you know, you consider the recipient's feelings in terms of whether they will actually like it. And, yeah, don't give it another thought. Yeah, I think you can. I had a book club where every book club, Christmas, we each gave each other a book we'd read during the year that we'd really loved. So that was kind of like I think you can also give 
used items or secondhand things that you've loved and share it and it can still be a gift you don't have to feel embarrassed about it I think that's an area where if it's something you genuinely have enjoyed and you're passing it on and it's meaningful to that person that's also an option yeah nice one all right let's talk about the food because Christmas day if you're hosting lunch or dinner depending on you know how you like to entertain and how you like to eat and how many people are coming over it can get bigger than Ben-Hur and it can be incredibly stressful and expensive, frankly. If you're getting out the prawns and the oysters and going nuts with seafood and the champagne is flowing, or if that's how you do Christmas, <laughs> you're like, okay, you know, let's think about how much this is going to cost. So where would you think people should start in terms of having more of sort of a budget-friendly menu? Yeah, so I think that there's a few different options there. One thing is if you are hosting and you're going to the, I guess, having the cost which is a time cost really of like all of the organising and getting the table ready and all of that kind of stuff. And there's other people who are coming who, you know, perhaps might have more cash than you do right now. Then think about, you know, asking them to bring some of the more expensive items because they're getting the benefit of your hospitality. And I think don't be afraid to kind of make some suggestions about the things that they could bring that are perhaps maybe more than you could afford to pay. And so I think really dividing things up makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's one of those times people are really happy to contribute and it just makes the whole thing more sort of festive and joyous. It's not, and you know, there's always people who have their signature dish. If there's someone who makes a knockout trifle, you know, hit them up for the trifle. Like they want to wheel it out. That's my that's my signature dish, by the way. But yes, people are happy to bring whatever is needed. Usually, spread the joy and the contribution around. I don't think people should hesitate to ask like that. I think the the other really thing is I think it's very easy to go overboard yeah. and to buy way more food than you actually can possibly eat in the day. So yeah. I think if you've planned out your menu, really think about just focusing on buying how much is actually reasonable to eat in maybe, you know, Christmas Day and Boxing Day because otherwise the risk is you actually throw food out and food waste is actually one of the biggest ways of, you know, you know spending unnecessarily, I think, over yeah. this period. That's a really good point, Dinah, because... I don't remember one Christmas where the fridge hasn't been heaving with leftovers afterwards. And it's kind of nice to circle back maybe once, dip into that cauliflower cheese again. But, you know, two days later, it's pretty much all got to go. And, yeah, you're throwing a lot out. So have a think about the quantities you actually need and just cook what you need for the day instead of thinking this is going to be three days' worth of food and Actually, I, I'm having flashbacks to one Christmas where I ha- had gravy on day two, day three maybe. Gravy you do not keep. <laughs> I was so ill. I just, oh, yeah, not not worth remembering. Got to get rid of it. But there's also, I guess, the usual tips that we would suggest around shopping in a budget-friendly way, which is, you know, choosing affordable ingredients, which is things that are in season, things that are on special looking for the unit costs, being savvy around how you're planning, you know, do your planning so you know your quantity so you won't be wasting. Think about buying things that are in bulk. If you've listened to our masterclass on reducing your cost of living without cutting your costs, we go into so much detail there about reducing your grocery shopping bills generally. 
avoiding the pre-cut vegetables, avoiding the pre-made custard, all of that stuff is marked up and so much more expensive than just getting the potatoes and chopping them up yourselves or getting the, the custard that's already, get the powder, pour some milk in it. You can employ everyone who's joining the meal to help out in preparation. You don't have to do it all yourself. So you can definitely get your kids to be peeling veggies and those sorts of things. So employ some kitchen hands from the guests and you can spend less on things like your veggies yeah. and, and those sorts and of things. And you can start buying things now, things that are non-perishable, like start buying it now to spread the cost over the next couple of, you know, the next two months essentially so that you're not, it's not this massive peak, this massive spike in December you've spread it out over a few months. As long as you've got good hiding spots from yeah. your kids is the only home. For food, because food in my house just disappears. So I have to hide it in special oh places if I buy things in advance because it gets taken away by the okay. teenagers. Or maybe the cranberry jelly won't get, won't get taken out of <laughs> no, the fridge. probably not that. Now, you know, I th- we've talked about all this other giving, giving, giving. You can shift the whole emphasis of Christmas by focusing on charitable giving. Obviously, this is a time when volunteering as a family during the holidays teaches children wonderful things about empathy and giving back. There's, you know, the opportunity to do charitable donations in someone's name as a gift and choosing organisations that you believe in and that you know they will resonate for them. And, you know, giving goats and wells and all of that the stuff that's useful in the world when we don't necessarily need, you know, need stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, if you're not in a position to be donating items, you can also think about donating your time either now or through the year but thinking about, you know, highlighting the value of volunteering to really think about giving back to the community. Yeah. All right, and let's finish with some holiday travel hacks. This is a big time of year where people are travelling to see family and friends or they're going away for Christmas and that can be expensive as well. What do you like to think about here in terms of savings? Well, I definitely, because I'm a big one to travel over Christmas, I do know that you really must book early. So if you're thinking, listening to this episode now and thinking you're going to book a cheap flight over that, you know, peak holiday period, it's probably a bit too late. So thinking about making sure that you book early, but also, I guess, being flexible on the dates that you're wanting to travel. One year we actually did fly on Christmas Day because it was way cheaper, um, probably not the most festive day, but it did actually save us a load of cash. So I think that's a huge huge one for me. Yeah. And that's is where you might also lean on those loyalty programs. So if you have rewards points or credit card benefits that help you save money on travel expenses, this is the time to investigate them and deploy them. Um, Another thing that in in terms of if I am flying to avoid any sort of excess baggage challenges, I really try and buy online gifts and have them shipped to the destination, particularly if we're, you know, having Christmas with family or friends. um, And that really reduces the risk of things like baggage, excess baggage, if you're flying on a discount airline, for example, because the shipping's taken care of that for you. nice one. And then one of my favourite times of year is after the holidays <laughs> when all the sales happen. <laughs> Certainly a time to sweep in and stock up on decorations and like wrapping supplies because all of that is cut ruthlessly. And I think it is one of those things where if you have got some good curated lists perhaps of household items, you think you might need to get over the next year. It is kind of an opportunistic time to kind of think about if it's, you know, a new set of sheets or towels that you know that you're going to need to get 
But I guess coming back to that same tip that you don't get carried away buying things you don't actually need. So if you've got, if you're shopping from your list of things that you think you you need, then you you can pick up some great savings, but make sure you don't get carried away. And, you know, I guess the the important thing here is that you don't have like a Christmas budget hangover where you're like, oh, why did we, what happened? What just happened? What did we do? Why did we do that? So it can be a time for thinking about, okay, let's look at our expenditures and identify some areas for for improvement in the future. (laughs) I do think the other thing that is good to do in the sales is often my kids get gift vouchers for Christmas, particularly from grandparents who might not know what to get. And it's a good opportunity for them to go and make more out of their gift voucher if they're having some sales. So, you know, probably not Boxing Day, which is just a bit too hellish for me, but a few days later, bracing myself for the shopping centre and heading in to use those gift vouchers before they get forgotten because I I think that's another big risk and it's such a waste if those gift vouchers go unused. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mayor, I think that's uh, probably given our listeners lots of great tips for Christmas. What do you reckon our top three hacks are? Set some boundaries and categories for yourself when it comes to gift giving, either with setting budgets or setting types of gifts. So you've got some limits to work within. And don't be afraid to have conversations with your your family and friends about setting some boundaries or maybe even skipping gift giving for this year. When it comes to the meal, spread the love, spread the joy, spread the contributions and only cook what you actually need for the day, not for three days worth of leftovers. Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. And if you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend or review us in your podcasting app. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.